this morning. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Just Heavenly Father, Lord, as we just open up this worship service, God, Lord, the first one of a new year, I just pray that within each of our hearts, God, you just remind us of the new beginnings we have in you every day, God. Lord, the, um, the choices we make every day and the decisions we make, God, Lord, what a different year it would be if you were at the forefront of all of those, God. Lord, I pray that we'll be reminded that just every day, Lord, to just be reminded to pray that your Holy Spirit not only fills us, God, but leads us and uses us, God. Lord, what a powerful reminder that it, it's your spirit that frees us and shields us and molds us and makes us, Lord. So this morning, as we just continue to worship, Lord, I just pray that you fill us with your spirits. And for those of us who need to be reminded and for those of us who need to be renewed, God, Lord, may that, that take place this morning. I just thank you for what you're going to do, God. And I pray that if there's anybody here, Lord, who has no idea what we're talking about because they've just never really experienced that, 
Today would be the day, God, for a perfect new beginning in life in you, Lord. God, we raise hallelujahs for all that you did in the previous year, and we praise you for all that you're going to do this year, because I know that you have a perfect plan for each one of us, God. We just love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated.
sing together just a closer walk with me. children leave for children's church uh, the rest of us let's turn to Isaiah chapter 60 got a different place this morning from where we've been or where we're going next Sunday we'll be back in Genesis uh, someone asked me that uh, last week we will be back to Genesis back to the beginning but this morning as we enter into 2020 with our first worship service of the year I want to turn our hearts to where we're headed and I don't mean just as individuals or as a church, but all the, all the church of God. What's the ultimate future for God's people? I think it's crucial to your growth and your sanctification. I think it's crucial to maintaining and God cultivating in us the hope, peace, love, joy that we just talked about during Advent. It is, it is transforming to us whatever we hold before us as our grand picture and vision of the future. Fortunately, God does it for us. He puts before us what He knows that we need. Um, left to our own devices, we, we establish the wrong goals, the wrong destinies, and the wrong visions for our lives. So I want us to pay attention this morning to Isaiah 60. I'm going to read verses 1 through 22, and then verses 1 through 3 of Isaiah 61. So it's a lengthy passage, and there's a lot here. But I want to introduce this to us as where God says that uh, we are headed, those of us who are in Christ and who've embraced the whole story of the gospel and what's unfolding in Scripture. Isaiah 60 verse 1 says this, Arise and shine, for your light has come, 
and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will appear upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see. See what Isaiah is doing? He's saying, look, pay attention to this. Behold what God is saying and what he's doing. And he gives us this, this picture. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar. Your daughters will be carried in the arms. Then you will see and be radiant. Not only will you see it, but you will become what you're looking at. The light will not only be something you notice, but the light will radiate from you. It will be in you. Your heart, look at the next verse. Verse 5, your heart will thrill and rejoice because the abundance of the sea will be turned to you. The wealth of the nations will come to you. A multitude of camels will cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba will come. They will bring gold and frankincense. And they will bear good news of the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Keter will be gathered together to you. The rams of Neboeth will minister to you. They will go up with acceptance on my altar, and I shall glorify my glorious house. Who are these who fly like a cloud and like the doves to their lattices? Surely the coastlands will wait for me. The ships of Tarshish will come first to bring your sons from afar. Their silver and their gold with them for the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel because He has glorified you. I repeat that. He has glorified you. Foreigners will build up your walls. Their kings will minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you and in my favor I've had compassion on you. Your gates will be open continually. They will not be closed day or night. So that men may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. For the nation and the kingdom which will not serve you will perish. There's a warning. The nation and the kingdom which will not serve you will perish and the nations will be utterly ruined. And the glory of Lebanon will come to you, the juniper, the box tree, the cypress together to beautify the place of my sanctuary, and I shall make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you, they'll come bowing to you. All those who despised you will bow themselves together at the soles of your feet. They will call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you an everlasting pride, a joy from generation to generation. You will also suck the milk of the nations, and you will suck the breasts of kings. You will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, hey, here's an upgrade. <laughs> Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make peace, your administrators, and righteousness, your overseers. Violence will not be heard again in your land. No more war. No more murder. No more threatening. No, nor devastation or destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation, and you'll call your gates praise. No longer will you have the sun for light by day. Nor for brightness will the moon give you light. But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light, and your God for your glory. Ah, he's taking us to another level at this point in the narrative. No more sun, no more moon, but God is the light. He's, he's talking about eternal future to come. He's talking about the new heaven and the new earth. He's talking Revelation 21 and 22, and this is hundreds of years before Christ. 
Look at 20, your sun will set no more, neither will your moon wane, for you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. It's repeated. And the days of your mourning will be finished. There's no more grief. There's no more sorrow. There's no more crying. This is repeated elsewhere, isn't it? Look at Isaiah the prophet and the vision God is giving him. All your people will be righteous. They will possess the land forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. Look, the smallest will become a clan and the least will become a mighty nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it. And here's an important point. In its time. He really will make all things beautiful and perfect and paradise renewed and infinitely supersized in its time. Now I've got a question. Lord, how? I, Isaiah 60 is, is everything that, that we hope for. It's everything we long for as individuals, as a people, as a church. It's all your promises becoming true and realized. How shall this happen? How shall it be? That's why I had to read 61, 1 through 3. And I want you to see if any of this sounds familiar. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom from prisoners or to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. They will be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he, all this is for him, he, that he may be glorified. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for setting before us what is ultimate truth that should affect us along the way as we enter this year this this too is a favorable year in the Lord because of who you are what you've done what you what you've promised and and the guarantee that all this is true and will become true through what you've already done through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Turn our hearts and our minds and our eyes to him. Not only now, during our time together today, but, but every day may we deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow you to this glorious future. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We'll give you a little context for why we're in Isaiah 60 and 61. The passage that Randy read this morning tells us, and I know that was 30-some-odd minutes ago, so that's been a while. <laughs> but that passage in Romans 15 said that the Word of God and every aspect of it, what was written in the past, Paul says, was written to instruct you and to encourage you along the way and to give you perseverance and hope and joy. Paul said God gives you perseverance and hope and joy, but he gives it to you through the word of God. So this year, as you meet with your small group, as you meet in your personal devotion with the Lord, as you study his word and as you live it out, when you go to the word, he's going to show you who he is and what he's doing. And that light at the end of the tunnel is going to become for you a light in the middle of the tunnel. You hear about the guy who says, man, I don't need a light at the end of the tunnel. I need one in the middle of the tunnel. <laughs> and we say, I'm with you. So Romans 15 tells us that passages from the Old Testament were written to encourage us and to strengthen us and to send us in a year like 2020 when, 
just like every other year, we don't know what's going to happen in 2020. Told you before, I've got these little black calendars, and every year I write in there the things that I know are coming. But at the end of the year, there are things that I wrote in there that happened, that really happened, that I and all of us had to deal with that we never saw coming. James warns us and gives us the ultimate heads up. You do not know what your life is going to be in the future. Thank you because you're in my notes. He says, come now you who say today or tomorrow, we will, we're going to go to such and such a city. We're going to spend a year there. We're going to engage in business and make a profit. You don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. This is what you do know. Your life is just a vapor. It's here that it's gone. It vanishes away. Let's go to the next one. Instead, we ought to say, if the Lord wills it, then we will live and we will do this or that. So we should say, God, what is your will? What would you have for me to do? So entering into a new year, I know this year is going to fly by. And it's going to be filled with uncertainty. So, if you're like me, you carry a low level of anxiety, a low level of regret, a low level of what's going on here. This year, if I live to July the 3rd, I will turn 50 years old. I have, this, I have this conversation with my classmates whenever we happen to bunch, bump into each other, and it's the same one you have. And what do you say? What have y'all been up to? Getting old, man. <laughs> we getting old. <laughs> we talk about children that we have who are older than we were when we all, quote, hung out together. James is right. These cold, crisp mornings when you can see your breath and then it's gone. James is saying, that's your life. So let's call a time out and let's pay attention to who God is and why we're here. James says you ought to be asking, what's his will? What's his purpose? What's his direction for your life? And how do we find our way? Life's brief and it's challenging. My journey is a vapor, it's a mist. And I know in 2020, you're like me. You're going to be tempted and you're going to be tested. But James says, I must do the right thing. If I do not do the next right thing, he says clearly it is sinful, it is evil. If you know the right thing to do and you don't do it, it's sin. So God, how am I going to have the strength and the perseverance and the internal fortitude to continue to do the right thing when I'm tempted and tested on a daily basis. He's told us so many times what to do. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. He said, I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house. He turns them in their anxiety to the future. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. But how? How does all this happen? How does it work itself out? we got to remind ourselves what Romans 8, 28 and 29 tells us. That he lets all things happen together for good to those who walk with him and know him and are called according to his purpose. And those who love him. This means that God has set before us the ultimate purpose of our life and it is that I would walk with Him, know Him, and glorify Him. And in order for this to happen, He is constantly forming Christ in me. My main question for 2020 is this, not, not what are you doing or what do you do, oh, those, those are important, but what kind of person are you becoming? What kind of person are you becoming? What kind of person are you becoming? Are you being formed into the image of Christ? That's God's will. That's what's right. Are you becoming salt and light? Are you being salt and light in relationship to those around you? Here's the good news. God has provided all the resources by His grace for us to reach that ultimate destiny that's in Isaiah 60 and 61. 
He's provided His Spirit. He's provided His Word. He's provided His church. He's provided His providential hand in all circumstances so that, yeah, man, I'm growing old like you, but outwardly we waste away, but inwardly we can be renewed day by day. Time out. How do I get that inner renewal? Because I know Father Time's undefeated. (laughs) And you may slow down the aging process, but you're going to waste away outwardly because why? Because we're sinful and we're under a fallen curse. Because we are sinners, we grow old. But I just read a passage about a land where we'll never grow old. By the way, that was Mr. Miller Edson's, one of his favorite songs. And I used to wonder, why is that one of his favorite songs? You start creeping toward 50 and your body starts changing? <laughs> You begin to get a little bit, and I know some of you on my way out are going to say, you don't know nothing yet. I know, I know. I didn't know anything when, when I was 40, but I didn't know that until I turned 49. It's a progression, it's a growth, stay with me. So I want to give you an example of what God has done in my life. Every Wednesday morning, a group of us, and you are invited, at 8 o'clock, Gavin's there sometimes, Kevin Marshall's there sometimes, Bryson's there sometimes. Uh, am I leaving anybody out who's there sometimes? Okay, that covers the, the sometimers. We're reading through the book of Isaiah every Wednesday morning at 8. We take a chapter a week. It's real simple. It's not that complex. We read it. We discuss it. And it encourages our heart. It's not that complex. It's not rocket scientists. You read the Bible, you explain the Bible, you pray the Holy Spirit to make application of the Bible. It's that simple. But we are so sinful and carnal, we want to complicate things, don't we? So a few weeks ago, we're in Isaiah 60, and we're approaching Christmas time. Now, you can do the math. How many weeks have I been in the book of Isaiah? 60. (laughs) Y'all been in that, yes, a chapter a week. So... Isaiah 60, and we start reading here. Got all the junk going on in the news. It changes every day. It's serious stuff. It's crucial, but we need, we need, we need something beyond. You got the personal issues going on in each of our lives, and we share prayer requests and what we're going through, the changes, the difficulties, all the issues inside and out. And we read through and discussed Isaiah 60 and the first part of 61. I said, man, that is so encouraging. I tell you what I want to do. I want to stand before our people in the first of the new year. I want to I talk about that with everybody. Because that encouraged me. That gave me strength along the way to make it to the end of the journey. So what's this passage about? Look at the very first phrase, rise and shine, for your light has come. Now, there have been times in my life when I have not liked the command, rise and shine. Most of those are when I was much younger and I could sleep in. I'm at the age where I don't do that anymore, even when I want to. You remember when you were a little child and you might be staying in someone's house and the head of the household would get up and he would say, rise and shine and give God the glory. And you're thinking, rise and shine, why? It's not time to rise and shine. I stayed in one friend's house who used to wake up us on Saturday morning really early. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. (laughs) I've got a wonderful feeling that everything's going what? My way. Uh, that doesn't ever happen. We lived in North Carolina, and I was in my early, mid-20s. We lived in a parsonage that was right beside the church. The church subscribed to the Raleigh News and Observer. The Raleigh News and Observer was one of the biggest papers in North Carolina, and it came really early to the driveway to the church. There was an elderly gentleman in the church who woke up at 4 o'clock every morning, He made his rounds, and he would stop back by the church, pick up the Raleigh News and Observer, 
bring it to my door, set it on the front porch, and knock on my door. <laughs> Your newspaper's here. I say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get it in a little bit. He says, by the time you read it, it's all going to be old news. <laughs> and I think about that sometimes, and I think to myself, if he lived today, by the time that newspaper comes now in the morning, man, only it's already all over the world. All the information is just, what, we're in the age of where information is just coming and going. What is Isaiah 60 about? I tried to emphasize some of it as I read it, but let me give you five summary sentences. God is holding before us why we rise and shine. And I'm not just talking about rising and shining in eternity to come. I'm talking about now. I'm talking about let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. I'm saying that Jesus said you are the light of the world. Reflecting his love and his light. And th th these are theological truths that are bigger than I can unfold. But number one, this is a vision of the coming Zion. The future city of God. It is the completion and the fulfillment of all God's wonderful promises. All of it wrapped up here as Isaiah sees this glorious vision that's mountains away, and there's parts of it he doesn't even fully understand. Number two, the whole world and the whole universe, even the Gentiles and the enemies of God's people, come humbly to revere and worship the Lord as the one true king. He is the one true king, the one true Lord. He is king of kings and Lord of lords and no other. No one can come to the Father but through Him. So it's singling and zeroing in on God as the one true God. The God of the Bible as the one true God. Number three, the light of God draws all people to Himself. And the effect of His work and of His light and holiness is the elimination of all the effects of the fall and the curse. I tried to emphasize that. No more violence, no more death, no more fear. Listen, every internal and external sorrow and problem has been solved. We sing this at Christmas. He comes to make his blessings known as far as the curse is found. How far is the curse found? It's found all over my life and your life and all over the earth and the universe but he comes, Jesus, to make his blessings flow as far as the curse is found. This is good news. This is what is going to happen. Number four, the effect of the light also, not only does it get rid of the bad, but it brings in the ultimate good. Things that we talk about, things that we crave. Peace and love and joy and righteousness. He said in that passage, everybody's going to be righteous. That means no more sin, no more struggle, no more fallenness. How does that happen? Well, I'll give you that in just a minute. This is ultimately the winning of the nations by the gospel and the gathering of all into heavenly Zion when Christ returns. C.S. Lewis put it like this. Listen, believer. What is ahead of you is far greater than what's behind you. This is what's ahead of you. It's greater than what's behind you. And my whole point is that our glorification that's going to come will affect the sanctification that's taking place now and give you perseverance and strength in the face of difficulty and temptation along the way. Jesus provides that. Now, there are two clues I want to close with to show you how the Word of God amazes us in how it gives us clues and signs and hints that what God has promised in the future is really going to happen. Because we can say to ourselves... Oh, really? 
But as I worked through this with the group of guys at Courthouse Cafe at 8 a.m. the other Wednesday, there were a couple of aha moments. And you look at me like, you need those more often, brother. <laughs> aha. I see that. I get that. That helps me. That enlightens me. The two aha moments that, that I had, as I read this text, did you, did you hear the references to gold and frankincense? That this vision is of kings coming to God's city and they're bringing with them what? Gold and frankincense. And I thought, duh. I've heard that story my whole life. There were kings that came to worship Jesus who were Gentiles from the east, and they brought with them gold and frankincense. But there's something missing in Isaiah 60 that they brought. What's missing? Myrrh. Now, if this is a future event that's after the visit of the three kings, the three wise men, then why in the world does it make reference to gold and frankincense but not myrrh? When they brought myrrh to Jesus' birth, that must have seemed like a strange gift. In fact, if we didn't know any better, we might have been offended. Because myrrh was a symbol of death and of dying. But at the end of John, in chapter 19, the Bible tells us at the end of John that when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, when they embalmed Jesus and his body following the crucifixion, listen to this. They used, and John 19, 39 specifies this. I'm not making this up. They used a hundred pounds of myrrh. A hundred pounds of myrrh. The city Smyrna was called Smyrna because myrrh was one of the most important exports it has because what? They needed it to embalm dead bodies. So when the women rush into the tomb, and the men go into the tomb and they, they realize what's happened. The smell of myrrh would have dominated that morning, that tomb. You see what God's saying? There's going to come a time when gold and frankincense will be needed and exported and brought in. But there is no more myrrh. Christian, why is there no more myrrh? Because Christ has died, and Christ has risen, and there will be no more death. No more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. That was one of the ahas. I would like to expound it, but let's get to the other one. The other aha is in, is in 61. Let me tell you what happened to Jesus. The age of about 30, you know, we don't have a whole lot from, from 12 years old when they, you know, they lost him in the temple, <laughs> and 30. But when he hits 30, here is the one whom God has sent. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is everything that the Word was in flesh and bone on earth. He is the, the exegesis of the Father. He's the living message of God and what He does and who He is. He faces Satan in the wilderness temptation in Luke chapter 4. Forty days He is tempted and tested in ways that you and I would, would never be tempted into. And He passes that with complete perfect righteousness and a perfect score. He goes then into the temple following that 40 days wilderness temptation. And he goes in the temple and they hand him the Bible. They hand him a scroll. And he opens up the place in the scroll where it was open to. And he begins to read what I read to you in Isaiah 61. And this is what Jesus reads as he begins his ministry. And I'm going to read it again. I'm going to stop where he stopped. He stood up in the pulpit and read, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me 
The Lord has anointed me to bring good news to those of you who are afflicted. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, and to proclaim this is the year of the Lord, the favorable year of the Lord. You realize what he's doing? He is declaring to be the fulfillment of what this passage promises. And he is going to be the one who executes what's needed for this grand, glorious vision to become true. What's he going to do? He's going to live a perfect life, the life that you and I could not live and did not live and won't live. And he dies the death that you and I should die. That becomes God's favor upon us in Christ. Jesus kicked off his public ministry by reading Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, and what he is saying that what he's about to do is going to purchase and guarantee everything that Isaiah 60 promised. Are you still with me? Is everything that I, is in Isaiah, is it going to become true? We're still in process, right? God was showing us that if he has not withheld his son from us, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Here on Epiphany Sunday, two things in 60 and 61. The wise men came, I believe, as a first installment in the life of Jesus as to what will come. You know how at Christmas time you get those people who to some of us who procrastinate, it can be a little annoying. You get a Christmas card from them the day after Thanksgiving. The day after Thanksgiving, they send their Christmas card, and you get it in the mail, and it's the same people every year. They are on top of things. We don't know if we're going to send them this year, you know. Theirs is already here. And that tends to open the door to what you know is going to be, what, many more to come. The visit of the wise men on Epiphany Sunday, so to speak, I know it was later than that. That was just the initial guarantee of what is to be more to come. And there's much more to come. The question is, will we be part of those who revere him with our gold and our frankincense because his myrrh, his myrrh, his death, his suffering has completely become our salvation. 2020 will be for the Christian a favorable year of the Lord because of his grace. Do not fear, he is with you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love and grace, your favor to us in Jesus. And how the Word of God, when we open it up, it really does encourage us and give us strength along the way. We still deal daily with our own troubles and issues and sins. We still deal daily with our loved ones and, and those around us in our community. We live constantly with a world that is in tension and turmoil and still at war. We long for the day when you finally reign fully and completely and your righteousness and your holiness becomes our light, may we rise and shine every day in 2020 because we know your light has come. And may we reflect that light to others as we all need it so desperately along our journey to this great city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing how deep the Father's love for us.
Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the promises in your word that we've heard today that give us such uh, encouragement and hope and peace in our life that uh, in the midst of the struggles of the world today, Father, we have a bright future and a perfect hope in you. And uh, we thank you that you created a perfect plan that... Um, not only saves us from the penalty of our sin, but gives us a great reward in that we have an eternal existence, an eternal presence with you, which is hard for us to comprehend. Um, may it be encouraging and, and give us hope and joy and peace in our life each day to know that one day we will spend eternity with you. And may it encourage us to be obedient to your word in, in all things and especially in giving for you did not withhold anything from us but gave your only son that we would have uh, forgiveness of sin and eternal life with you. May that inspire us and encourage us to give to you out of a joyful and heart and, and in, a, in a way that knowing that you will use those gifts and offerings for your perfect pur purpose. Uh, just bless each gift and giver, Father, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll stand for a benediction. <laughs> 